You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. Our thanks go out today to the Good Men Project for supporting our mission to help our very special community and to our sister company, J-Home Marketing and Creative Services. Thank you both for enabling us to spread the message and help more people. There's still time to grab your copy of Six Success, the Entrepreneur's Prescriptions for Turning Pain into Purpose and Profits on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Please make sure you head on over there, pick up my story and a bunch of enlightening and inspiring, actionable content that you can apply to live your best life today. I met my guest today on a road trip. My husband and I were traveling with another client, and Brian Stevens happened to be on this particular journey. To say that Brian Stevens is a serial innovator or entrepreneur is the biggest, gravest understatement that I can make. Five companies that he has helped to found, including Mortgage Shots, Kaboom, National Real Estate Post, and Pre-App 1003 for starters. And there's many more that we'll get into today. Part of the reason that Brian is able to reinvent himself is due to the fact that he is not afraid of failure. And it's not that he doesn't embrace it, but he certainly sees the opportunity to learn from it. Please welcome my road tripping friend and an incredible role model to entrepreneurs everywhere, Brian Stevens. Brian Stevens is with us in the digital Sick Biz Buzz studio today, and my mind is literally blown right now. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. It's going to be a big disappointment. What? <laughs> I don't think so. When it comes to you, anytime you know, we've ever... I don't want to say we've really worked together, but we've com- we've like communed together and we've laughed together and made fun of things together. And I haven't been disappointed. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah. yeah. We've traveled together. We've never worked together, but we've done all these other things together, which is really interesting if you think about it. Right. Yeah, we, we, we will. We will. We got to we got to talk about a vampire book. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. That's totally right up my alley, but you already know that. You okay. already, yeah, exactly. Um, so I want people to get to know you today, and I just want to focus on how did you get to today? Because you have a multitude of businesses. Like you're just the gardener of businesses. You water them, and they sprout up, and you nurture them. And right now, I'm looking at. We've talked about four businesses right uh-huh. now. So actually five. I'm thinking five. We're including mortgage shots. So let's talk about that. How did you get to today? Failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's we can we can talk about things that worked, but we should probably talk about things that have not worked. Uh, there's, there's more there's more of that than things have worked. But you you know it's like everything else. You can't find the things that work until you, you kind of weed through the things that don't work. Mm-hmm. You know I think what a lot of I think what a lot of it boils down to is is just um. You know, being uh, being not okay with failure, but being uh, but understanding that's part of the process. You know, I, I like to do a lot of things 
um, live or in front of people um, that I think most most others would keep private because I, I like to put it on display without knowing what the outcome will be because I think how you deal with results, uh, there's a better lesson in, in learning how you deal with results rather than what that result is. So in other words, you know, people will share what succeeds, what's wildly successful in hopes of attracting, you know, other people to to work with them in whatever it is they're, they're selling or their products and processes are. Um, I, I think that actually failing and being okay with that, um, learning from it, picking yourself up and and happily or merrily going on to whatever the next thing is, is um, is more important to a person's success than anything. So um, it's it's not really the businesses that we're doing. I think it's just that we just keep our feet moving and we're always looking for something uh, that's going to be more helpful. Uh, that fits into our little box, our ecosystem uh, that we might be able to share with other people. And along the way, you learn lessons, you know, some good, some bad, but um, it's oftentimes, as, as you know, those bad lessons could be more valuable than the good ones. And so I think that's what we're really good at more than anything is just being transparent with uh, with our failures and, and how we deal with it. Yeah. And you have you have dealt with it publicly. I know that you just get out there, you kind of stick your neck out, see what works. and you, But you also seem to kind of do some testing of the marketing in some ways. But when talking about failure, what is the most memorable but most valuable failure you have ever gone through? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Nothing really sticks, sticks too much because I'm okay with it. Like I don't, I don't have catastrophic failures. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. have things that are, how am I going to recover from that? You know, I don't, I don't really see things that way. Um, yeah, I think when people suffer catastrophic failures, it's, it's because something went wrong in the process. You know, yeah. like, why is it catastrophic? So I don't, I don't really suffer those. Um, again, I'm transparent with what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trans kind of, um, like, a, a you know, the scientific method, you know, form a hypothesis, gather information, test it out, look at the results and learn from there. And so yeah. I don't really have things that are catastrophic. The big, you know, the biggest catastrophic things that I've had have been, um, your problems I've had have, have been was market driven in 2008 when, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, work your way out of a, you know, uh, your surroundings very easily. And so I think a lot of people have very similar stories about their personal business and how it suffered back in 2008. And that's where I think a lot of successful salespeople cut their teeth in those markets. And, and frankly, I think, you know, those who went through and they have their own personal stories about how things were difficult in the recession, I think come out of it and look at, you know, anything that any obstacle that they might professionally be up against and just look at like, well, this can't be that bad. I already went through that, you know, so. So um, it it makes a difference then, like the level of failure or the level of risk that you're talking about makes a difference. So it's not like, okay, we're just going to try this crazy thing like you talked about. You actually put research hours behind it make sure that there's a there's a pretty good chance it's going to succeed so you know the risks that you want to take yeah and then you know i'm talking about professional risks too mm-hmm. so it's like if somebody if if people are not going to behave or respond in the in the manner that i expected them to it's not that somebody you know you're going to have you know people with tor- you know torches and pitchforks banging your door down uh it's just that they didn't like what uh, whatever the message was and so um, there's really not a lot, there's not a lot of risk there. You know, we tell ourselves a lot of stories about how people are going to respond. And oftentimes 
you know, I say we're we're so we're, we're so smart, we'll talk ourselves out of good decisions. You know, when we're, when you're dealing with marketing and you're dealing with communication, you know, you don't have people who are going to have a visceral response to whatever your message is going to be. Nobody's going to hear your message and hate your guts from it. So, yeah. um, but you know, I, I think, you know, the more we do this, I think we're pretty good at anticipating how people respond. And I'll tell you what we do is we just look at how we would respond. I mean, I think mm -hmm. we respond to, I think people respond to transparency. Yeah. Uh, to honesty. yeah. And I think we take that approach. I think people also respond in kind. And I, I think most of the stuff we do really kind of bears that out. So I want to underline that point of look at how other people will respond. I think that's super important. And a lot of people maybe are not thinking about that. Maybe as they're getting started or maybe as they're deciding what risks that they want to take, they're not going there and thinking, well, you know what? I'm anticipating they're going to respond like I would. But there's a level of safety in that. There's a little bit of cushion in that. So maybe you don't feel so exposed when you're taking risks too, like, hey, I'm going to be okay. But you also find that in yourself. So you have to be okay, however it turns out within yourself as well. Well, yeah. I mean, well, think of if, if, if you're dealing with entrepreneurs, you know, you, you're in the process of selling something. Mm -hmm. it, that's what it, you know, distills down to in its simplest form. You're in the business of selling something. Right. So you have to, um, you know, at some point, I would assume if you're selling something that you think that whatever you're selling is valuable. And if more people aren't buying it, it's because they don't understand what the value proposition of what you're selling is. And so we will sit to ourselves as entrepreneurs and say, well, people need to understand this about what I'm selling. They need to understand that about what I'm selling. So by the time I get on the, on the phone or uh, with my, my messaging, with a text, an email, or whatever it is that we're doing, um, you know, we're, we are, um, programmed to just puke that up on people. Just, you know, here, here's <laughs> what you need to know and just vomit all over people. And, and that's like, nobody wants that. You know, no. nobody, nobody wants to, if you, all right. So what would that experience be like? You've got my attention. So now you want me to buy what you're selling. So you're just going to give it to me both barrels right between the eyes. And, you know, it's, if I'm not, if I'm not at a place where I'm, ready to receive that message, I'm going to tune you out right away. You know, if, especially if you've shown no interest for who I am or what my, my needs are, yeah. you, know, you know, if you don't, if you don't know who I am or what I'm about or what my needs are, how did, how the hell do you know that I need what you're selling? You and, know, that, it, and that's the problem that we have is we, we just, you know, in sales, it's like we, when we finally get to that person, we just want to let them know what we think they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So, it's so true. The, it's almost like the less talking that you can do and the more listening. So it's the art of extracting information sure. from your prospects and saying, you know, how are you doing? What do you need? How is this working for you right now? How are you getting along right now? Because then you can point to, oh, this isn't working for you. Well, you know what? I've got a solution for you. And it's not even about money and it's not even about anything but having that solution and talking about I'm your one stop shop right here for your solution. I'm your plug and play. You don't have to worry about it. Like this is off your plate. It's going to save you money because you're wasting time on this other thing. And a lot of people, I think out of panicky decisions, people are panicky and they're, and they're like, well, I got them. I got their attention. All right, I'm going to blow it. Here I go. 
right. you know, it's like, it's like a kid on it's like a kid on his first date. Oh my God, she's actually with me. I know, right? Exactly. Up, and then you proceed to screw everything up. Yes. Damn it. Damn it. And then that chance is gone. So you have a lot of success in addition to failure, though. So I know that you, and this is what I love about you. You are transparent and you're very real. Like you're very organic. You're very like carrot juice and ginger root freaking real man, you know? Okay. <laughs> and you know that's a total inside joke, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah, because... I, was there. I was, yeah, that's right. I was, I was juicing when I'm off, I'm off the juice. I'm back, I'm back on the protein. Oh, you are. How'd that go? How'd your transition go from, and you juiced for what, 40 days? Yeah, 42 days, no food. Just wow. Juice. How'd that go, getting back on food? The transition, you have to go super slow, don't you? I was in Arkansas when uh, I decided to eat for the first time after not eating solid food for 42 days. And uh, um, I spent a lot of time in the bathroom. It did, oh. it did not go well. Did not go well. I need, there's, a, there's a trick to it, isn't there? Well, like, it's, you're, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it, it, was, uh, yeah, it was just uh, your body's just not used to to your body's not used to, to doing it. So it re it did not used to eating food. So my body rejected me eating food, no matter how slowly you go into it. There's a, and by the way, there's a, there's a big parallel there. You know, it's, it's when you're really asking you're an entrepreneur or somebody who's into sales is, is really to change how they approach their business. Mm -hmm. And we like our, like our digestive system, you know, when we introduce things that we're not accustomed to that, we, we tend to reject that. And, and, you know, and so, uh, it, it was just a matter of time, you know, there was a few days where it was just, yeah, I mean, it was a little rough. Your body's not used to eating. And, and so it was, um, yeah, it was, a uh, it was a little rough, but I, you know, here's the thing and I'll tell you that. So dieting and marketing has a hell of a lot in common. It's both, it's both a discipline, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it requires a plan of attack and it's generally something that you're not accustomed to or comfortable with if you, and especially if you go about it the wrong way. So, you know, it's, so when you don't eat for, eat solid food for 40, you know, 30, 40 days, um, when you start eating again, you're introducing things. So think of, you know, so now I'm introducing like, like, a, like, a, you know, an apple is like, oh my God, to have an apple after not eating for a month was like, I, I can't, this is, you're introducing it, you're rewarding <laughs> yourself. You know what I mean? And yeah. So much, of, so much of dieting and marketing is, is just depriving yourself, you know, depriving of yourself what you like, what you're used to, what you're accustomed to, what you're comfortable with, what you like. It's definitely, you're taking away. Your diets are all based on punishment, you know? Yeah. So we're taking things away. Well, I will take away drinking that beer. I'll take away having that dessert. I'll take these things away. You know, and by the way, then once if I, and the interesting part about dieting is you say, okay, once I get to where I want to be, I'm going to reward myself. And then you think, well, what's a reward? Well, a reward in that sense, when you're talking about dieting, is reintroducing the shit that got you there in the first place. Yeah. When I lose X amount of weight or when I get to here, when I do that, I'm going to reward myself. But what are you going to reward yourself with? Well, I'm going to reward myself or I'll go out and I'll have that dessert. Well, so you're going to reintroduce the shit that was bad for you in the first place. <laughs> well, that's not a good idea. That, that's, that's a vicious cycle. Coming off of juicing, everything is just introducing it to your system. It's introducing. So having that salad again, having that that lean protein. And so there's nothing's based on deprivation. It's all based on reward. Um, but, you know, it, it, like I said, there's similarities in, in our marketing. You know, so many people, when they deal with marketing in their business, and this is funny because I'm actually talking to one of my good friends, Shannon Hoff, here right now, 
who has the best work-life balance of anybody I've ever seen because her work becomes her life and her life becomes her work, but she enjoys her life. So uh, by proxy or extension, she enjoys her work as well. But so much of people when they're in, in the business of marketing or sales, it's all based on engaging in behaviors that you don't like to do. And those behaviors will always be temporary for you. They, they just will. It's holding your breath underwater. You're going to eventually have to come up for air. I think the real secret sauce to these things is, is finding those things that you like to talk about and integrating that into what you do with your work. Uh, so often what we do as entrepreneurs or salespeople is, is we are really in the business of selling ourselves. It doesn't matter if you're selling vacuums, encyclopedias, mortgages, books, sunglasses. You're in the business of sales and you have products that are comparable to the one that you have. And so we're truly selling ourselves most of the time. So. You know, finding a way to do that so your your business or your diet is sustainable is, is really where the rubber meets the road. I mean, that's the most important component is, you know, finding the things that you like to do and, and, and making that part of what you do for your work. It's effortless, it's effortless then. then. Absolutely. It becomes effortless, yeah. Yep. And um, I think that is a missing component that a lot of people are not queuing in on is that they might be trying really, really hard in a business. And it's just not going anywhere. But if they don't have the passion for it, you know, it, I think abundance follows passion because it, it's so easy to get into your passion and to work in your passion. And that spills over into your work life balance. So, and then we can talk about the comparison trap as well, because somebody else might say, well, look at this person. They're an entrepreneur, they're doing really well this seems to be what they're doing. They're, they're focusing on this industry or this market or this specialty. I'm going to do that and I'm going to replicate that success. And then they try and do it and it falls apart. And why? Because they don't have the aptitude or they don't have the passion. They're missing that plugin where they literally are missing that organic piece of themselves, that really authentic piece of themselves. Like you're a writer, you know, you're wonderful on video, et cetera. Don't you think so? I, I do. I, I, I think in every people are, people are looking for a lot of solutions, um, you know, outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. How can, you know, I, I see this a lot, especially in the mortgage industry with coaching, you know, you'll see, or, or just, or, uh, not coaching. It could be coaching or where you look up to another person and, and, and how they behave and you have somebody as, who positions himself, you know, I'm a badass, I'm cool, I'm awesome, I'm uncompromising, yeah. you know, I don't take shit, you know, and they say, well, I want to be like that person. Well, but what if you're not like that person? You know, what, yeah. what if you're not? You can't be that. And so I think we're looking externally for a lot of solutions where we, we, we need to look internally, like find out what your own assets are. Uh, again, going back to the things that you like to do and finding that, you know, comfortable work-life balance, you know, like I said, I was just talking with Shannon over here and she was telling me about, you know, she throws parties every week, you know, and she's, you know, Shannon's like a, she's a gregarious, outgoing, very charismatic person. Mm -hmm. And people, I think, instinctually gravitate to her. And so she likes to uh, throw parties. That's um, fantastic. But, 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 but hold on a second here. Um, <laughs> she's also, but she, but she's also tracking everybody who's at the party. She's tracking what business she gets from those. She's tracking who her referral partners are. She's having into the year conversations with every single one of them to see where she's finding her success. And, and more importantly, where that referral partner is finding their success and where they could go ahead and, you know, change on a dime dynamically 
you know, in order to take what they do well and, and do it even better the following year. But it's all coming from a place of something that is natural to her. You know, everybody says, I like to party. Well, she, her parties are, is something she's good at, something she enjoys, but it's something that she's turned into a very strategic component of her, her business. So in that sense, she's married her personal life with her business life really well. Um, yeah, and it's really hard to do that. I mean, it, it is really hard. Um, I think even when you love what you're doing, it can sometimes be hard. Um, but, you know, let's take a look at you because you travel extensively and you have a family and you have many, many companies and you're doing it and you're showing up and you're happy and you're challenging yourself and you're meeting really cool people, inspirational people. You're providing your own inspiration what is allowing you to live this way? Uh, a real understanding wife. It, <laughs> it's true. I, it's true. I mean, that's a, big, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, the, that is, I, I, when it comes to my travel, it's my biggest lost commodity is, is that I see is, is time. It's not, it's not money. It's not happiness. My biggest lost commodity is time and it's with my kids. Yeah. So a lot of the travel that I do is I will plan it around, you know, those important events. I don't want to be that, uh, you know, um, absentee father. Yeah. So in fact, I just canceled a couple of trips that I had this um, upcoming months because, you know, um, you know, my daughter's got a volleyball game. Yeah. And so it, it's like, you know, would you, would, would you cancel an important corporate trip for your daughter's volleyball game? And, you know, well, let me put it like to you like this. She's a senior. We, you know, this is going to be one of her last volleyball games. She will, ever play competitively before she goes away to college. Um, you know, we've been doing this for the past eight years. Uh, do I want to be that person who misses that game? I don't give a shit who's on the other side of that thing. I ain't going to it. I'm going to the volleyball game. Um, yeah. You know, it's just understanding and really kind of sticking to, uh, you know, what your priorities are. And again, it, that, and here's the whole point. It's not that you know, I think a lot of people listening to this are going to say, okay, yeah, well, clearly that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I didn't know when I had planned this trip, my travel trip for work I didn't know that this volleyball game was going to fall on this day yeah. so I went to the company and I said all right here's the deal I have your corporate event or I have this yeah so what do I do oh well th that's a trick question you know because if they say go to your daughter's event I'm going to my daughter's event if they say you need to come here because you you made that commitment I'm still going to my daughter's event I'm just not going to work with you in the future you know, because I, I don't, you know, it's because I think that's a very reasonable place to be. Um, you know, I, that's that's one of the things that, you know, we shouldn't necessarily bend on. It's funny. You, you hear about people, you know, the customer's always right. The customer's always right. Mm -hmm. No, they're not. No, they're not. The customer is not always right. In yeah. fact, oftentimes the customer can be very, very, very fucking wrong. Yeah. And, and you, you know, know what? You're, you're a big you yeah, big companies that set up this customer's always right thing, you know, because you have to have a one size fits all model. But what if that customer is wrong, you know? And so, uh, it, and we, most of the people, if you're talking about your serial independent entrepreneurs, your small business owners here, you have the opportunity to, to distinguish between somebody who is right and somebody who's wrong. And really ask your, again, always put it in the context of yourself. Ask yourself. Do you want to work with somebody in any capacity who's always going to default to, it's my fault? I mean, that's a spineless person. 
Yeah. You know, it, so we yeah. Say, no, you don't want to work with that person. I, you know, would you, let me ask you this, Hillary. You're working with somebody on, um, I don't know, an orthodontist. Mm-hmm. You want that orthodontist where you're going, I think my teeth are just fine. And that orthodontist is going to say, <laughs> you know what? The customer's always right, Hillary. Yeah, I think your teeth are okay. As they're staring down a cavity that's going to turn into a root canal in six months, but saying, well, you know, Hillary doesn't want to get this, you know, fixed right now, being the customer's always right. No, you want your orthodontist to be like, Hillary, bullshit. You need to floss more, lady. You need, you need to do this. <laughs> Because we can fix this today, but if you don't change your shit, Hillary, and you don't want to hear about this, you're going to have a root canal in three months. Uh, give me the guy who's going to tell me that. Give you know me the I mean? truth. Yeah, give you yeah. the truth. And yes. and also work for the relationship, too, I think is yeah. a huge part of that. Like, if there is friction in a relationship when you're working with somebody, I don't know, what maybe it would come down to deadlines and somebody's pressuring you or something like that. It is okay to stand your ground. It is okay to say, no, I can't do this. I'm going to need another couple of days. I'm going to need another week. It is okay to do this. Now, doing that, you have to be okay with whatever their decision is. So you have to do that. Right? You have to do that work inside to say, all right, they might say they don't want to go forward. Okay. But what does that mean? It means more time with your family. I have a very understanding husband as well, but we recently had a come to Jesus talk about, you know, about where am I spending the time? And I, and it's like you said, with that orthodontist, my husband was the orthodontist and saying, Hey, you know what? Um, this is not going okay. This habit is not okay. You're burying your head in work. You're not, you know, and he was absolutely right. And so you need those people. He's very understanding, but he's also very real, just like your wife is. Just saying, hey, you got to show up and you got to do this, but I support you 100%. Support is a huge thing that entrepreneurs seek. And I, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of feel like renegades. They feel like, oh, I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter who's in my way. I'm going to get it done. But it's really about building that support system so you can do it. You need, you need, you, yeah. I mean, we, you need to have, of course you have to, of course you have to have support. You know, you, you need to be um, steadfast in your decision making. You yeah. have to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. You have to be comfortable with failure. Yeah. Um, you almost to the point of encouraging it, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, you have to be humble in your approach, and you and you always have to keep your ears open to hear hear the banter and the and the noise that's going on around you because because you know that's what people are saying about you and around you is even if that's not what your intent is that if people are hearing it it's that whole perception is reality thing uh, yeah you have to have support but you you have to be humble enough to listen to to your surroundings because you know when when you have your own business uh you bring your biases to the table you know yeah. and we do this with our lives too and because we bring our biases to the table we become you know the the uh, really horrible at, uh self-analysis you know um you know i'm my own worst critic no you're not you're probably your best critic you're giving yourself the benefit of the doubt so um, you know, yeah, you have to surround yourself with a great support network and then you have to, but you also have to listen to the words that are coming out of their mouth because even if that's not what your intent is, that's, if, if that's how, whatever it is you're doing is how it's being perceived and it's not positive, then you're going to have to change what your approach is. You do. And sometimes you have to make those hard choices when it comes down to, like you talked about, 
what am I going to do? Well, what can you live with? I think is really what we're driving at here is what can you live with? What do you want to live with? Yeah, you ever you ever write a book for somebody you can't stand? Yes. yes. You have? <laughs> yes. Who is it? Give me an No, I'm not no. Um, I wouldn't say can't stand. I would just say I left the relationship not really moved or, you know, motivated, but more like I made a commitment to do the job, we'll see it through type of a situation. I wouldn't say can't stand, but there are definitely so many of the people that I work with are amazing. They're incredibly inspiring. And I'm just in love with storytelling. You know, do I I know this person? Yes or no? Do you? (laughs) I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Some people just drive me crazy. You know, it's just like any, any client at all. There's everybody can off the top of their head. They can think of um, situations where. The client has driven them a little bit crazy. And in that case, you know, I come back to myself and I go, I have not told that client or I don't want to say trained them, but I haven't prepared them for the expectation of how I am going to show up. If I've got someone who's like, ping, 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 I need this, I need this, I need this. And I respond to it immediately. That trains them that that is how it's going to be. It's going to be very high maintenance. And and so I don't do that. My work is blocked, it's scheduled, and I make sure that I show up for that work. So if somebody's like, hey, can you hop on the phone? Well, that depends on what I have going on because I usually have work projects blocked off in my calendar. And if I don't have that, then, you know, then I'm running amok. Then I'm just, sure, I'm over here, I'm over there, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I think people are afraid to say no. They're afraid. That's just, and I'm, I'm still getting used to that word, quite frankly, of saying, no, I don't think that's going to work. Um, because the fear is that you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you don't have the greatest pipeline if you're just starting out, or even if you're, even if that's something you've just never cultivated. And so if you say no, where's the work going to come from? Aren't you supposed to say, I think think what you're saying is, is really kind of goes, this is kind of my, my drive. I, I think I'm, being very poor about articulating it right now. And, and it's what you're saying. It's really the art of saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that we instinctually think certain behaviors are going to be inherently good for our personal business. Yes. Okay. So one of the things is, is more like, for instance, more business is inherently a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you, of course, if you have more of the right business, then you should look at scaling and growing. Yes. Right. But more of the wrong business is <laughs> yes. just going to you, dig you deeper in a hole. Working, you know, working with more people is inherently a good thing. Well, not if they're the wrong people. You know, if you're working with somebody who's who is um, uh, an un, in an unhealthy partnership, yeah, uh, you will in the long term. That's going to hurt you. You know, I, th- I think it's really those. Like I said, not to be completely and entirely uncompromising, but to have a component of that is is where you need to be in sales you know the whole idea of the customer is always right it's the same type of thing the customer is not always right you know the things that we inherently think are good are not always great for our business and more often than not they're not great for our personal health it's understanding that you don't need to work with everybody there could be wrong people that more is not always better it could be the wrong type of more and that whoever's business you covet they're always right when in fact they're not oftentimes have to be told that and when they are, 
um, will appreciate or respect that. And on the rare occasion when they're not, it maybe it's just not a good fit for you and you should take less today uh, so you can have more prosperity and more happiness tomorrow. Right. And if you take less today, you can use that time to plan on how you are going to get the business from the right clients. Sure. You and know? it's birds of a feather too. You know, when you start, when you, the customers are, when you, when we start to take that approach, you like bad people, bad shit will gravitate to you. Yeah. Just like, just like, like in the loan business for, for example, there's a guy named Ed Nakamura and Ed Nakamura, I used to always do like the hard luck deals, man. I would get somebody who was turned down by two other lenders on an FHA deal and they'd say, well, give it to Brian. Brian will do the hard luck deal. Then I would go through and I would start reading guidelines and I'd beat the shit out of my underwriter so much. I mean, I used to have a gal named Susan Beatty in tears, you know, but she would sign off on these conditions and fund the deals. And I felt like I had won something. You know, we closed a deal three weeks late. Everybody's, you know, upset, you know, losing hairs, falling out, pissed off. But damn it, I got the deal closed because right. Brian closed the hard deal. Well, Ed Nakamura, he used to get these deals. He wouldn't even look at them. Oh, no, no, I can't do that deal. Mm-hmm. So they would only give him the great deals. You know, but Ed, Ed Nakamura, he would take all these great deals when somebody had 20% down, money in the bank, a 780 credit score, and he would close them, and there was never a hiccup, there was never any drama, they'd close on time, and everything was perfect. And so, you know, and so I was, I would go over there and do these hard luck deals, and I'd be like, well, wait a minute, I want the good deals too. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, we get close to Ed, because when we go to Ed, these deals always close on time and there's no drama. Well, yeah, they're all 800 credit scores. Well, perhaps if I wasn't taking that 580 credit score with people who've got 15 collections of bankruptcy that was a 13, went into a seven, has child support and alimony and back pay and collect, I mean, you know, maybe if I didn't have to deal with all this shit, I would be able to close my deals on time as well. Well, you see, now what happens is, is that this is a case of perception being reality. The perception to the referral partner was that Ed closes his deals on time. The perception to the agents with me was Brian doesn't close his deals on time. They're all dra- they're all drama. Okay. Well, Ed wasn't doing somebody with a 500 credit score. I was. Right. So so they were seeing part of the picture. Now, does it matter? I could sit there and say, well, hold on a second. I'm doing all these shitty deals. I'm doing hard hard credit deals. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing ten times more work than Ed is. I'm getting in people into houses who were told no five times. Right. I'm doing all of this great work. It doesn't matter. I can say that till I'm blue in the face because the perception is, is that my deals took longer to close. And so Ed would get more business. He would get cleaner business and he would make more money because the perception was the reality. And it was all based on the fact that he would say no. And I would say yes. He said no to the wrong type of business. I said yes to the right type or to the wrong type of business. And as a result, we saw our businesses go in two different directions. And I started looking at this stuff and I'm thinking, to, and I'll tell you this too. In that case, you know, it is birds of a feather. You know, I'm telling you this right now. Somebody who doesn't pay their bills on time, I swear to God, all of their friends do not pay their bills on time either. They, <laughs> they don't. They exactly. Don't. They exactly. don't. And the people who do, thing. do. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, this is just how it works. Mm-hmm. The guy who's been laid off nine times, and is sitting home on a Wednesday at two o'clock in the afternoon watching Maury Povich with commercials with, you know, ambulance chasing lawyers telling you how you could sue somebody for some reason and you're thinking about doing it. 
they're talking to their other friends who don't have a job on Wednesday at two o'clock in the afternoon watching the same shit you are. Yeah. And I started looking at my business and saying, okay, I would be better served even though I might take a hit on my income in the short term by saying no to these deals and let somebody else do them and then attract that good business and close it without the, the perception of having dramatic files that will close late. So yeah. take the short-term hit because the perception is the reality in that case. Okay, yeah. That is a case where the customer is not always right. The customer <laughs> in this case is going to be wrong. I'm sorry. Well, hold on, man. That's not my fault. That collection over there, that collection's a bunch of bullshit. Oh, what are you talking about with that medical? What are you talking? My ex-wife agreed that I wasn't going to have to pay her any child support. Oh. It doesn't. Oh, you're wrong. Go away. <laughs> Go, go. And that's, it's so important because I think people can stop and ask themselves that question right now, which is how are you branding yourself? How are you putting yourself out there? So somebody says, oh, Brian does this. We're only going to go to him for that. doesn't even occur to people to give you different kinds of deals because that is what you are publicly doing. That's what so, you're known for. That's what you're known for. No, and no, so no, let, me, let me, let me tell you this too. What's important here that people have to understand is I brought my biases to the table. I, I was proud of what I was doing. Hell yeah, I closed loans that no other lender in Solano County would do because yeah. I understand the guidelines better than anybody. I was so proud of myself. I would, and I did. I would sit home and read guidelines and, and, and I knew my shit forwards and backwards. I was so proud of myself for being a true professional. But the perception was, and I was blind to it. Yeah. The perception was, Brian closes his, his deals late. And, and, you know, even if you close them on time, I'm telling you right now, you, the, listen, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Bull. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. And the thing is, is that when you have somebody who is behind on child support, and not this isn't everybody, of course, but sure. behind on all their shit, pays all their bills late. You know, has worked 15 jobs in the past 13 years because they're getting fired from, you know, every place they work because it's always their boss's fault. And and, and you'll sit down and listen to yep. and they will convince you that they have had this set of circumstances that is so extraordinary that they are right because they thought their shit through because they bring their biases <laughs> to the table. Now they're wearing off on me. You know, you know? and I, I love that, though, because and it applies to other areas of life where yeah. you'll see people on Facebook will be like, so and so is such drama and this and that. You know what? You're you're allowing that though. You're saying that's okay to be in my life. And likely then you have other people who are like that. Well, they're my family. They're my this, they're my that. Okay, is it stressing you out? Is it bad for you? It doesn't matter then. It somebody somebody being biologically related to you does not give them a right to be in your life. That's exactly right. They, they don't. Let me let me give you another example here. So and tell me, tell me if you agree with this. So we have a store, it's a Lucky's grocery store, and then we have the Nugget. The Nugget is 10% more across the board, 15% more across the board. I don't know what it is than Lucky's, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, now, they also, I don't have to wait in line all day, so their, their, their service at the Nugget, the more expensive place, is impeccable. So I will pay 15% more on a head of lettuce and a loaf of bread, and I don't give a shit what else. Because their service is better. So I am I am absolutely willing to pay the 15% premium for that alone. Across just mark right there, I'm going. I don't I don't even care. I don't that's mm-hmm. enough for me. Mm-hmm. People and the, the mess the moral to the story there is 
people will pay a premium for great service. Now, when you go to Lucky's where it's 15% cheaper, have you ever been in a store, you know, and the person in front of you is just riding that cashier for doing everything? Well, this is supposed to be on sale, and that is it. And they're just up yes. there being an absolute a-hole. Just being a jet. The customer is. Okay. <laughs> but the customer is always right. And then you notice that the store is like filled with people like that who are constantly yeah. bitching about everything. And now I will leave Lucky's because I don't want to be around those clients. Yeah. Now, service aside, I don't want to be in the same grocery store with people who are bitching about everything. Okay. Right. And so, right. and so like that alone outside of the service is enough to make me say, I'll pay 15% more just to be away from people who bitch about everything. Okay. Oh, totally. You know, it's, and- like, it's like, it's like, my God, this, this, this checker and this floor boss isn't going to take a stand against this jackass and uh, uh, customer. And, and like, now I want to, I want to step in for that poor cashier who's getting, you know, raked over the coals for no good reason for nothing that they did. And now they just have to take it because that's a corporate policy. And I'm thinking, I don't like any of this. No, it's this. No. And no, I totally know what you mean. It's one of the reasons that, and this is terrible, but I'm going to say it anyways. I don't like to shop at Walmart because that kind of shit is allowed. And it's also, you know, and after having, so I'm a target girl all the way because there's at least some, some modicum of, you know, decency where, because all my kids have worked there. Well, ex- two kids have worked there and you're allowed to stand up for yourself. Well, you and, know, and take this to your personal business. Take this to your personal business for people. Yes. Take this to your personal business. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's okay to have this guideline. That's a huge takeaway today for people listening who are afraid to say no. It's okay to have that guideline because it is actually going to be more prosperous for you later. Maybe not today. Maybe today you're still going to be like, okay, well, you know, kind of things are kind of thin around here. But you know what? Later. And you're going to set the pace. You're going to set the expectation for the type of client that you're going to work with. And you know this because you are the father of reinvention. But it's not only reinvention. It's, um, it's keeping other companies up and running while you reinvent yourself. And so you've really had to get tough on yourself about what that looks like. So in between, let's just go back in time, the inception of your first company and the inception of your last company, what changed? So your time collapsing, I'm sure, to get to the success right? That you're anticipating. I I noticed most of what I do today uh, in the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when I first started doing videos in 2008, it was, it was basically to give people like, I wanted to share with my uh, referral partners, you know, what was going on in the market, find out what was taking place, editorialize it, give my, basically give my opinion on it and then give a little sales nourishment and put a, put a smile on people's faces all in about five minutes. And I was doing this, uh, and it was very uh, anonymous. I didn't know who was watching. And this was before the whole, before people understood what viral was. I mean, they didn't. This, I was using this little thing called YouTube that nobody ever heard about. <laughs> and, nobody, and, and, and viral was something that you know sailors got when they when they were you know imported in the Philippines. And so, and so, um, 
So, uh, you know, I, I knew if I was going to shoot videos, I was going to just be myself. I, because I didn't, no one was going to watch it. So what the hell do I care? I might as well be myself. And uh, I was going to be uncompromising with my opinions. And, you know, and then I realized in hindsight that that's what people were looking for. There was a thirst for that. Because in 2008, when I couldn't, when I was struggling to make my house payment, there was a lot of other people who were struggling to make their house payments. And so by just being myself, I think I, think I became more identifiable for a lot of people around the country. That, that made sense to them. They didn't want to see Tom Brokaw or Katie Couric, who yeah. you know, had a $50 million contract. I was a guy who was dealing with the same struggles they were. And I think that that was, you know, and I, re I recognize, and it's readily recognized today that being yourself um, is, is the most important component to uh, what you do in terms of your online persona is just be you, be transparent yeah. with who you are. And the more transparent you are, the better off you're going to be. But we learned that in hindsight. We didn't know it at the time. We did it because we figured nobody was going to watch. Um, you know, what I've done really now more than anything is, is I've put sales in a vacuum. So like my job is sales. It's not selling things. My job is the art of sales is, is understanding how people communicate, what, what people, um, you know, what are they going to trigger on? Why are they going to trigger on it? What's the best way for somebody to approach their business? Um, you know, and then, and, and having the opportunity to, to have a, you know, uh, a nation full of real estate agents and loan officers that I could speak with who are both successful and not successful, finding out what works and what doesn't work and really being a, a conduit, you know, between folks has given me over a decade of experience. And so I look at things that are, are really transformatively different than what I did back, uh, you know, over a decade ago. The things that have not changed is um, I, I still uh, am I, going to be, we are going to be who we are. Um, we know we're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So that hasn't changed. We've been true to ourselves. I know that's a vague, just broad sweeping statement, but it's true. It's yeah. very true. And the other thing is, the two other things that I, I really stick with is f uh, failure doesn't bother me in the slightest. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm really okay with it. I'm okay with um, laughing about things, brushing myself off and, and fighting another day. I'm totally okay with that. I, can compartmentalize those failures, not as personal failures, but as, you know, ideas that just didn't work. Maybe they didn't work for the right time, the right day, the right reason. So, and then the third one is, is, is always getting up and trying to innovate and always, always waking up with a, with an eye towards innovation or with an eye towards doing something different. It's not always that my, the ideas are going to be great or not, but an eye towards innovation and having the fortitude to follow up. Because everybody who's listed, everybody, I mean, everybody, everybody's had an idea that said, well, that might be a good idea, mm -hmm. um, but, but they don't act on it. You know, people will come to me and say, hey, Brian, is this a good idea? I was, yes. Well, you haven't <laughs> even heard the idea. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. The process of trying is more important than the outcome. The process, because when you try and fail and try and you continue that process, then the process becomes second nature to you. And then the outcome becomes inevitable. The outcome is always the same. You're trying to find more personal and professional success. Um, and we're going to try different roads, different doors to get there. And so the process is more important than the outcome of any one thing that you will do. And by keeping your feet moving, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Something might fail for you today that comes back wildly successful in six months. Uh, oh, you, yeah. Uh, that's up. definitely happened. There is a component of your failure today that is going to work for you tomorrow, but you will never see that 
this might not even make sense to you unless you understand by trying this and doing this, the repetitive nature, the days, the years of doing it. But you will see through your failures that there is you are still going in the right direction. In sales and in marketing as an entrepreneur, I always tell people this. It doesn't matter where you're at. And it doesn't. It doesn't matter where you're at with your business. It matters the direction you're going. Because if you're going the right direction, the outcome is, is in the can. You could be a successful person going in the wrong direction, you know, sitting content and comfortable with where you're at. And trust me, your business is falling apart beneath your feet. You could be somebody who is down, you know, in the doldrums, which, you know, a rock bottom is a great place because you only got one direction, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you're, if you're going in the right direction, it doesn't matter the speed by which you're going. It matters that you're going in the right direction because you'll find, you'll, you'll find where you're, where you want to go in the long term. You absolutely, you absolutely will. will. So, so final thoughts from you, you on what you want to say to people who are really struggling in their business and finding the motivation to keep going. Mot motivation is, is this guys have fun. And I, and I do not say that lightly. Have fun, have fun. People want to, people want to buy things from people who are having fun, have fun. You absolutely have to take, take the money out of the picture. Say, I am not going, my, my behavior today is not going to be dictated by the money I believe I'm going to make as a result of whatever that activity is. Mm -hmm. Do the activity because it's fun and you think it's helpful to the people that you're trying to serve. That's so it. Now, if the activity is not fun, is that a wake-up call for them to say, wow, maybe I need to do something different because I'm not enjoying what I'm doing? I'm, well, that, it, it certainly could be. And when I'm saying fun, fun is not always, you know, drinking a 12-pack of beer and watching a football game. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. your marketing has, you know, people will default to the things that they like to do. So if, if you're, I guess I, I'm defining fun is the lack of things you hate. Okay. <laughs> so, so when I say, I like that. Fun, when I say fun, uh, what I also could be saying, I'm using it interchangeably is don't do things you hate to do Yeah. because you're not going to keep doing them. You're going to wear it. People will intuitively figure it out. Don't do those things anymore. And if you can't do anything but things you hate, then you need to do you need to do something different. Yeah, it's time. You know, it, maybe it's not even the business, but it certainly is your approach to the business. I give and it a shot. Here's the thing: give it a shot. What the hell do you have to lose? If you're if you're listening to this right now and you are marketing and you're not succeeding and you hate all the shit that you're doing right now, what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. Try it. Fire that asshole who's making your life miserable. Try something that's fun. Try something that's zany. I'm, I mean that. Try something that is goofy, off the cuff, that no one else is doing. Try it in spite of the fact that you think your peers are going to laugh at you. Try it, in fact, because you think you're going to be laughed at and ridiculed. Because if you think, it's a, because if you think something might work or is a good idea or, frankly, you might have a little fun in the process of doing it, do it. Just do it. Because whatever you're thinking, trust me, it is way worse than the reality of the situation. And oh you, my God. You yeah. Take that approach to your business. Your work becomes your life. Your life becomes your work. Uh, you know, and you, know, you think of these salespeople work eight, 10, 12 hours a day. It's half your life. I mean, why are you going to live half of the 30 or 40 years, the best years of your life doing shit you hate to do? Ugh, God, what a miserable existence. Don't do that. Don't do it. Yeah. You're sentencing yourself. Absolutely. 
Wow. Some major insights from you today. I'm so glad. I know you're incredibly in demand and you run your own amazing podcast. And so I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to us today, Brian. I think you really are going to open some people's eyes. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I really do. You know, if you can, and that's what we try to do here. We, you know, Hey, let's, 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 let's try to, um, you know, make somebody's day better one at a time. You know, that's our, that's what we try to do. So, and I, and I, some days we win, some days we don't, but, uh, we always keep our eyes on the prize and, uh, and that, that's a great place to be professionally yeah. and personally. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the sick biz buzz. We really appreciate it and, um, just keep inspiring. Hey, let's, uh, let, and I know we need to do this still. And we have, we have, we both have schedules that are crazy. Let's sit down and talk about this book thing though. I really, I'm not kidding you about it. I want to do it. Awesome. That's, that's fantastic. We'll definitely do that. More, we no, I don't want to talk work stuff. I'm, de I'm dead serious. We got to go more down like the, uh, the vampire route. Okay. You know, I'm down with that. You know, I was I born on Halloween, right? I just got some inspiration yesterday. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> see, it's all coming together. <laughs> well you're you're an absolute sweetheart you're you're just oh. such an authentic person I, you and you are i just appreciate it and i appreciate the fact that i've gotten to know you a little bit uh got to know you and your husband uh you guys are wonderful so uh, thank you okay. i appreciate your time everything in life doesn't have to be so serious in fact when we are not so serious and when we answer to the passions in our hearts and to do what we truly love to do, we turn those passions and that love into value to help other people succeed. Brian Stevens came at you hard and fast today with a ton of knowledge that you can apply to your life and to your entrepreneurship. If you are in the position of needing to turn it around, to ramp it up, or if you're wanting direction for making a major new change in your business, this is the podcast episode for you. If you would like to get in touch with Brian Stevens, please reach out to him at kills at mortgageshots.com. And of course, as always, we will have that information available on sickbiz.com. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, share, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to visit sickbiz.com for some of the greatest, most inspirational content, resources, hacks, and support that's available to our very special community of chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs, freelancers, and remote workers. You can listen to the podcast, find a job if you need to on our job board, and we always have new opportunities coming up with different companies to allow you a variety of choices for your professional occupation. In addition, if you are feeling like you could use some mental health support, we've got you covered. We're working in conjunction with a couple of mental health resources to make sure that our beautiful community is taken care of and there's no stigma for reaching out and getting the help that you need. In fact, in this world today, it is becoming rarer for people not to need some assistant, assistance in their life to move forward and to overcome emotional and mental hurdles. Finally, don't forget to text SICKBIZ to 36260 and receive our resources in the palm of your hand. Yes, that's right. You can get it right to your phone and listen to our podcast. Look for a job online, a mental health resource, or simply immerse yourself into one of our many blogs offering the tools that you need to get ahead. So much inspiration, so much encouragement, so much love and acceptance 
is waiting for you. You might even think of this app as a coach in your pockets. We have lots of other things coming up as well, and you will want to be part of our SickBiz Facebook group. We'll be auctioning off a painting by a very well-known artist, and we are always running some sort of promotion or giveaway. And it's a lot of fun and certainly not to be missed. That's it for today's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Until next time, be well.